0: Oh Jesus. Yes! Yes. Jesus is the real star. I'm just his hype man. Come on. In your face section. Come on. Pete Cabrera Jr. Oh Jesus, Jesus, baby. baby. Yeah. (laughs) Hey guys, my name is Pete Cabrera Jr. with Royal Family International University and School of Identity and Lifestyle. And you were listening to the All Jesus Podcast. And today, we're gonna be talking about rooting out the devil part two. If you haven't listened to part one, I recommend that you listen to that before you listen to part two, because we're going to be addressing what is actually happening through the ministry of Jesus Christ through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and what is going on. So guys, all I ask is you guys get your Bibles, get in your word, and just take it to the scriptures and take it to the Holy Spirit. So with that being said, let's have at it. What's going on? Okay, here we go. Yeah. So today we'll be discussing the separation from the soul and spirit And why that's so important in terms of the born-again experience and what was actually happening in the ministry of Jesus Christ when it comes to the demonic and the casting out of devils and so on and so forth in his three years of ministry before the cross. Let's keep in mind that when we're doing this teaching, I have to take into account that most of the Christians we speak to or we talk about when it comes to demonic don't understand the difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant, the difference between a follower of Christ before the cross and the difference between a follower of Christ After the cross and especially the importance of knowing the difference between a believer of Jesus Christ before the born again experience in Matthew, Mark and Luke and the difference between a born again believer filled with the spirit of Christ after Pentecost in the book of Acts through the born again experience known as the Holy Spirit. A lot of people do not know the difference between old covenant, new covenant, some of the things that Jesus says, he says under the law because he was speaking to people that were under the law. Remember, he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel first okay so he was speaking to the jews and then after we find out and after pentecost and acts that then it's actually for the gentile but everything that jesus was saying was given to the people under the law now don't misunderstand me everything that jesus says can be applied but we have to apply it in context you know like when he goes on to say you know unless you forgive your brother your father in heaven won't forgive you but paul goes on to say that we've been forgiven because for christ's sake we've already been forgiven so after the cross, we've already been forgiven because we forgive because we've already been forgiven, according to Paul. So these are two different realities. What I mean by that is before the cross, you didn't have that because it wasn't, it wasn't yours yet. It was under the law based on what you did. The measure that you give is the same measure that you get. That was under the law. Now we get it all. Okay, so there's a big difference. So one of the issues we will run into as Christians is that most of the believers in the body are very rarely well educated in the scriptures and most are not students of the word and to be honest, are very gullible when it comes to the demonic in terms of what they see and what they hear without actually going to the scriptures and finding out for themselves what the word says about the situations and circumstances we run into and how Jesus handled it biblically and Paul also handled it biblically. And most importantly, is how Apostle Paul taught us to handle these situations within the church. We forget that. That's why he's called an Apostle. Okay. And the last podcast, we spoke about the root of the fallen man and where the seed came from, and the two distinct differences between the seed of God and the seed of error and their origin. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I recommend that you stop right now, go back and listen to it before you listen to this one. Okay. Because you're going to be throw, so thrown off. Before you move on, we have to take into account the mission Jesus came to fulfill as the Christ. What was the role of the Messiah? What was his role in the story of God and creation? He has a role, and we very rarely know what that role is. If you don't know what the role of Christ is, if you don't know why the Messiah came, you're going to have issues because that's the same spirit that's inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in you. You have to know that. So let's talk about it. Luke chapter 4, 18 says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recover the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. He came to set the captives free. But here's the question. Set the captives free from what exactly? What was holding humanity captive? And how is it holding them captive? Is this a physical bondage or a spiritual one? Could we say it's a spiritual bondage that is manifesting into a physical reality? Could we say that? Let us think of this in terms of a seed that is planted in the ground. Imagine planting a seed knowing exactly what you're going to harvest and what it's going to yield. Once the seed is planted in the ground, it begins to grow like sin. The issue begins to grow in the seed of a man, the root of his nature at the fall. Once the seed was planted, it began to grow. We know that a bad seed produces a bad tree. And that bad tree at time will eventually produce bad fruit. In the same way, a good seed produces a good tree that in time will produce good fruit. You got to think of it in terms of the core, which is the seed, which is in Christ. Okay, so here we go. First Corinthians chapter three, six through eight. I have planted Apollo's watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. The seed in this context is the word of God that's being sown. And in doing so gets people saved through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nobody will argue that. It's about the type of seed that's been planted. The message is for us to plant the good seed who is the Christ. We know what type of seed we plant when it's of Christ. It would be weird if you planted corn and you watered it and took care of it, put the seed in the field, expecting to harvest the corn, only to find out that it was all cantaloupe. Wouldn't that be crazy? Because by nature, the seed can only produce what it is. Good seed versus bad seed. The question is, what type of soil are you? We'll talk about that here as we go on. Matthew 13, 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 100, 30 times what is sown. So as we know, the scriptures confirm that we are made of the dirt and the word of God, who is the Christ, is planted into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Guys, you know this. It's in Galatians chapter 4, 6. It says that God puts the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Matthew 13 24 through 30. Listen to what Jesus says in this parable. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprout and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together into the harvest. At the time, I would tell the harvester, first collect the weeds and tie them in a bundle to burn them and gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. It's very clear that we have good seed and what the Bible calls tares all throughout the new testament we have the good seed the bad seed the tares and you also talk about the mustard seed like everything's based on seeds even says if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed everything's about this seed right and here's another thing to think about when jesus said if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed remember all of them did not have that seed who is the christ so if you even had the the faith the size of that seed this is before you actually Get the seed because scripture says that Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. So now we as Christians, as born again believers, have the actual seed of faith. We have the actual seed. Who is the Christ? The tares are those that are not planted by God, the bad seed. So the importance of planting this good seed is vital to the story of God. God planted a garden in the beginning in Genesis, in the Genesis story, and he sowed good seed. Let's not forget God's word is God's seed. And it produces what God's word says in that situation. I love that about God's word. When looking at it from the perspective of Christ being the truth and the Christ being a seed, we can now understand the power behind the word of God, which is the truth and the word of the serpent, which is also a seed that produces a lie known as the spirit of error, which is the lie. They both have power guys. If you listen to them, God's spirit is truth. That is considered the seed who is the Christ that is sown into the hearts of men at the born again experience. The serpent in the story begins to speak against what God had said. And here we have the word of God challenged. We have a liar sowing a seed of error into the listener's ear known as Eve. And we know the story. He says, did God say the word has to take on form at some point in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And according to Genesis one, three, God spoke and God said, let there be light. The creator, God, the father took form and he chose to take on the form of word out of any form he could have taken on. He chose to take on the form of word. He spoke everything created came from his spoken word. This is a powerful reality in the same way. The word of a liar creates discord, death and to all that listen. In both cases, the word becomes real to the one who accepts it as truth. Whether it's a lie or, or whether it's the truth, as a man believes in his heart, all things are possible for them who believe. It's best not to believe the lie. Now remember, in the very beginning, God spoke his word. And I say this all the time. Look, if he created it with the word, he can heal it with the word. If he created it with the word, he can heal it with the word. A word can change. One word from God can change everything. Let's not go too deep on the, on the conversation about the word right now. Let's just, let's just stay focused. Let's not go deep into that conversation. Let's talk about the soul and its role in creation. <laughs> let's do that. Let's talk about the soul and its role in creation. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the soul is very vital in the story of God's creation. We very rarely talk about the role Of the soul. We always talk about the flesh. We always talk about the spirit of God. We always talk about the spirit, this and that. But what about the soul? What is the soul's role? Ever thought about that? The soul is our identity. Our true self. The core of being. Did you know that the soul, this is very interesting. The soul is neutral. It doesn't have the knowledge of good or evil. It has to learn that knowledge. You know, Jesus talks about the path, that it's wide and narrows the gate did you know that narrow means that it's in the middle it's through christ the soul has to be in the middle it has to know how to judge between good and evil through the spirit of god this is why the holy spirit is given to us to train us how to stay on the path to stay on that walk which is in christ first thessalonians five twenty three, and the very god of peace sanctify you wholly. and i pray god your whole spirit soul, and body. We preserve blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are three part beings, spirit, soul, and body. The body houses the spirit that houses the soul. Let me say that again. The body houses the spirit that houses the soul. The soul is united to the spirit it's living in. From birth, we entered the fall of Adam. We were all dead in Adam, joined with the seed of error yes we were all joined the soul to this fallen seed and this is why we needed to be set free seed meaning spirit we needed to be delivered from the spirit that owned us and held us captive in the house called the body of sin this is very interesting we needed to be set free from this antichrist spirit of error that had legal right to us because of the fall it was our fallen identity we were all joined to it in death, our soul was united to the spirit of error, given this identity of a child of wrath. This is called the own man, the man of sin, that all of us used to identify with before the born-again experience. It's very interesting. A lot of us do not know this truth. It's sad how we do not know the role of why Jesus came to separate us and how he did it. The soul has to go free. The only way for the soul to be set free is through death. It's through death. A physical death. In this, we were purged from the spirit of error. Pulled from is what purge means. We could not go free because the wages of sin is death. The payment had to be paid and it demanded blood. We all were held accountable for the payment of our sins. It demands blood through a sacrifice. We would have all died in our sins if it wasn't for our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Leviticus. 17:11 For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes an atonement for your soul the soul is what needed atoning for not the spirit let me say it again the soul the real you is what needed to be atoned for not the spirit, because we didn't have Christ spirit in us yet. It's the soul. Okay. The soul to atone means to be reconciled to God, meaning to be brought back to God in right standing, to repay a debt and to be purified. That's what all that's about. We needed to be purified, to be atoned, to be able to stand right. The real us needed to be able to stand in right standing. And the only way that you could stand in right standing is to be standing in the Christ. And none of us were standing in the Christ before the born again experience. Excuse me. Isaiah 53 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Let me say that again. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. That's the soul. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Jesus offered up his soul. Why? A soul for a soul. Because it's who you are. It's what God is after. He wants to set the soul free from the spirit of error, from the corruptible seed, from the antichrist spirit. It was your master. The devil had legal right over you because of the fall. Jesus, the Christ came to separate us from the root issue. He came to separate you from the issue. That's why I tell people you don't have a sin issue. You have a sin habit. The issue is gone. God does not see that in your life. He doesn't look at that. He sees the real you and the Holy Spirit trains the real you. Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is living. Pay attention to what it's going to say. It's powerful. We read it so fast that we don't pay attention to what it's actually saying. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing even, listen, watch, to the dividing of the soul and of the spirit. So it divides the soul and the spirit. Wait, wait, wait. It divides the soul And the spirit, read that again, even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, of both joints and marrow, and quick to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. The soul is what's naked in the eyes of God, the real you. Hebrews 2 14 tells us that the Christ is the word. It's the sword, which is the word of God that will pierce us and will separate our souls from the spirit. The word of God separates the real you, the soul from the fallen corruptible seed known as the spirit of error. Hebrews 4 13 confirms it's the real you and you cannot be hid from his eyes. He knows who you are and he separates soul from spirit. Luke nineteen ten and Matthew 18. Eighteen eleven. for the son of man has come to seek and save which was lost what was lost guys we were lost romans 8 9 but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of god dwells in you now if any man have not the spirit of christ he is none of his can we all confirm that romans 8 9 is making a clear statement that when we or when you or when us are born again you've been separated from the flesh meaning the body of sin and carnality that's what we've been separated from. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. How did Jesus the Christ pull this off? How did he do it? How did he separate us from the body of sin? How did he separate our souls from the spirit of error according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12? How did he do it? How did he do it? Before we discuss that, we have to discuss. Jesus had to prove. That he has the power to separate the issue from humanity. He has to prove to everyone that he has the power over the spirit of error and over the power of the enemy who has everyone in bondage. Jesus the Christ had the power to redeem man from the consequences of the fall and he had to prove it. The question is, how does he do it? How does Jesus Christ prove that he has the power to set us free at the cross before he goes to the cross. How can he show us? How can he give us proof that he can separate soul from spirit? Everyone Jesus healed or ministered to was oppressed by the devil. Every single person. Definition of oppression, burdened by abused of power or authority to have power over someone. Acts 1038 confirms. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Everyone was under the power of the devil until the born again experience, guys. Because here is past tense. Here's past tense. Watch. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power who went about about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. This is what he was doing when he was walking around. Now watch this. Everyone was under the power of the devil until the born-again experience. We are no longer oppressed of the devil in Christ. According to John chapter 8.36, says this, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. In Christ, we are all free. Now, whether you experience that freedom or not is another conversation. Being free is easy. That's the easy part. Staying free? Now, uh, that takes work, my friends. This is why we have to know our word. We have to know it. God sees you free in Christ. He doesn't see you as a slave. He doesn't see you rolling around in the muck. He doesn't see you anything but victorious. He sees you more than, the. that's the way he sees you. The question is, why are we struggling? Why are we going in circles, right? That's the question. Let's not forget, Jesus was addressing the spirit of error in everyone to show us that he had power over it. Now remember, the spirit of error, the seed could not be removed until his resurrection. Jesus confirms with this scripture right here. Matthew twelve twenty nine. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Matthew twelve thirty. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Matthew twelve thirty nine through forty. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. But none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then Jesus begins to talk about this unclean spirit right after that. Matthew 12, 43, 44. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. See, he's saying it in context. See how he does that? Talks about the strong man tying him up, plundering his house. Then he talks about there ain't going to be a sign. The only sign that this is going to happen is uh, the son of man is going to be in the earth three days, three nights, which is the sowing of the seed. And then after that, he talks about an unclean spirit. Watch this. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through a dry place, seeking rest and finds none. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Jesus is talking about people who do not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. In this context, he said with the wicked generation, let's not forget what Jesus said about what would be inside of them after they were born again. That's in John chapter 7, 38 and 39. He confirms what's on the inside of them. Now, remember, when he's telling this story, it's under the old covenant. These guys were not born again. He's talking about the spirit that's inside of them that that can come back. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. John 7, 38 through 39. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spoke he of the spirit which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, which means that every single person, Every single person that Jesus is talking about before his death, burial, and resurrection does not have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. What I mean by that is born of the Spirit as children of God. Nobody. They're all believers of Christ. They're not born again believers. Big difference. And here it says that you will have rivers of living water flowing out of your belly. In this context, he's speaking to those under the law who are trying to stay clean under their own power. Jesus is using the term house not temple. When we're born again, we're called the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're no longer a house. No one can make themselves spiritually clean under the old covenant. If this was true, then why did they need sacrifices every year for their sins to atone for them? Because they couldn't do it. But now, 1 Corinthians 3.16 confirms, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? You're a temple now. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Look, you are not your own, according to that verse. So what happens when the Spirit of Christ moves into you, making you a temple of the Holy Spirit? What is the role of Christ in you? Give that some thought. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ when he walked into a physical temple as a man filled with the Spirit of God, known as the Messiah. Look, this is Jesus. This is physical Jesus going into a physical temple. Now, remember, everything that Jesus did has spiritual significance, okay? So if he goes into a physical temple, that means he's going to go into a temple spiritually. And what he does in that temple is vital. Matthew twenty-one twelve, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that they sold doves. And he said to them, it is written. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now remember, Jesus went into the temple of God. We just read right here in 1 Corinthians 3.16, know you not that you are the temple of God? We are the temple of God. And here, Jesus walks into a physical temple. Think about that. He goes into a physical temple. Hey, Glenn, the reason that we don't hear this type of teaching is because it takes a lot of dedication. A lot of reading, a lot of fasting, a lot of searching, a lot of digging, a lot of wanting to set people free, like giving your life for the message that will set people free. And I teach identity and everything has to come from the identity that's in the Christ. And very rarely do we hear teachings that come from the throne of the heart of God. We always talk about what we think, what we feel. And I'm the guy that says this, look, man, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So we have to teach from that perspective. If he is who he says he is, then we have to teach from that perspective. Remarkable, remarkable reality. So back to Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Remarkable what he does in the physical. Can you imagine what he would have done in the spirit? Wow. Give that some thought. Wouldn't it make sense that Jesus Christ would do the same thing in the place he lives in now? (laughs) Colossians 127 to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory he lives in you so the role of the Christ in you is to clean out the temple of God from the thieves who come to steal kill and destroy Yet in this verse, it states the spirit can come back after it leaves. That what we read earlier, it says that it could come back. Once again, this is before the born again experience. Matthew 12, 43, 44, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through a dry place, seeking rest and finds none. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, clean, put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of the person is worse than the first. That is how it would be with the wicked generation, with this wicked generation. The root of man in terms of the fallen corruptible seed is still in the fallen man. We have to address the man of sin is still present in that context. And the body of a believer before the born again experience is still the body of sin. Jesus is not speaking to born again believers in this context. He's speaking to fallen man under the law. Jesus is speaking about the spirit that lives in a man that is not of God. Remember, it has legal right to him until the born again experience. Matthew twelve forty five. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And finally, does it say in the final condition of the person is worse than the first? Interesting that in a man's house there will be seven spirits that make him worse. I always want to address those seven spirits, so I'm going to do it right here. Let's talk about what these spirits manifest in a man. What do these seven spirits manifest in a man? Guess and thought. What do they manifest in a man, guys? Let's not forget. All of this comes from the root of the fallen seed. That is a spirit known as the antichrist spirit that is in everyone who's not born again. So it comes out of that seed. It doesn't come out of anywhere else. It comes out of the seed. Proverbs six sixteen through 19. Here it is. These six things does the Lord hate. Yeah. Seven are an abomination unto him. Let, let's talk about these seven abominations, which are spirits. we we'll to talk about it. A proud look, a lying tongue, a hand that sheds innocent blood, a heart that divides wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies and he that sows discord among the brethren. This is what the seven spirits manifest in a man right there. Did you know that God also has seven spirits in his temple before his throne? According to scripture, did you guys know that? Which is interesting because a fallen man has seven spirits that enters him, and the throne of God has seven spirits that are before the throne of God. And I'm going to read it to you. Revelation 1.4, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him, which is, and which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits, which are before his throne, let me read that again. And from the seven spirits, which are before his throne. So what are these seven spirits? What are they? Let's talk about them. They're in scripture. Let's go right here. Isaiah 11, one through two, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, a shoot, ain't that crazy, a seed, a shoot will shoot up from his root, a branch will bear fruit, wait, 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 it's gonna bear fruit, it's gonna bear fruit, this is the fruit right here, the fruit of the spirit, watch this, number one, remember there's seven, one, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of God shall rest upon him, that's one, number two, the spirit of wisdom, number three, understanding number four the spirit of counsel number five and might number six spirit of knowledge number seven the fear of the lord there's the seven spirits right there right there that's the seven spirits and you know what's crazy here's here's the kicker right here Jesus has the seed in him the core of who he is is in the seed of God the spirit of Christ and the seven spirits are the seven gifts of the spirit mentioned in Isaiah eleven two 2 through the seed The branch will bear fruit. This is the fruit. The Christ sits on the throne of our hearts. His throne is in our hearts. Jesus lives in your heart by faith. That's Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. And don't forget Galatians 4, 6, that your heart cries out, Abba, Father. Revelation 1, 4, the seven spirits which are before his throne. We have these seven spirits in us through the Christ. We have the spirit and all of the fruit it bears in Christ. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. What? Yes, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you, meekness and fear. This fallen seed has an identity and its mission is to manifest its father here on earth, known as the devil, known as the father of lies. So we can all agree that the spirit we are addressing are the manifestations of the things God hates when it comes to the demonic we have to address what is happening in the ministry of jesus christ let's not forget the seed can only produce where it's from god's seed can manifest heaven here on earth through a willing vessel and in the same way the seed of the serpent will manifest hell here on earth through a vessel as well i'm gonna say that again let's not forget the seed can only produce where it's from god's seed can manifest heaven here on earth through a willing vessel and in the same way the seed of the serpent will manifest hell here on earth through a willing vessel this is why the word of god tells us james 4 7 submit yourselves to god therefore resist the devil and he will flee from you the seed manifests in a willing vessel once it takes root the enemy will always use deception as its primary tool the seed of the fallen man lives in everyone who was born in Adam. According to the scripture, all died in Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. So we can all agree everyone before the cross was spiritually dead and slaves to sin. The soul of man is what needed to be delivered so that we could experience freedom and life through the spirit in Christ Jesus. No one will argue that. Let's not forget the Messiah's mission was to set the captives free. Now, sin was already associated with the physical deformity, such as blindness, sickness, demon possession. That's what sin was. It was always associated with that. Always in scripture. Every time you saw a blind man, they said, who sinned? A person bent over. A person has spirits. Like, all this is associated with the fall. All of it. Disease, demon possession, manifestation. All of these elements are the consequences of living oppressed and under sin and under the power of the devil and of the demonic spirit all of this comes from that place all of it the curse of the fall landed on everyone it was the decree of sin jesus came to purchase us with a ransom and atoning for us and in doing so making us right standing before god from the inside out this happens through the death burial and resurrection of christ by killing off what was not us and saving the soul by placing us in christ at the born-again experience. This is the born-again experience. This is the born-again experience 101. We don't teach this to people. We don't tell them the root of their salvation. We don't tell them what happened to them. We got people going in circles. They don't know what's going on. They're hitting. They're missing. They're trying. They don't know what's going on. The real you was saved. And now the hope is that you learn who you are through the spirit. And allow the seed that is the Christ to grow you into a physical representation of of the Christ, the physical manifestation like healing and peace and joy and everything that has been given to you that pertains to life and godliness. We grow in the knowledge of Christ. This is what it's all about. According to second Peter chapter one, verse two, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Sweet Jesus. Let's not forget. Let's not forget everything that Jesus was addressing was keeping the people of God from coming into his presence. First the Jews, then the Gentiles, according to scripture. All who were born again are made right through the spirit of Christ. I'm also addressing those who had physical elements and could not enter the temple because of physical issues. It was considered sin. The temple represented God's presence in those days. There was a lot of people that could not enter the synagogue. They couldn't enter the temple. They were blind. They were lepers. They couldn't even enter God's presence because sin kept them from entering the presence of God. And Jesus knew the core of what had them sick. He knew the core of what had them blind. He knew the core of what it was. And he came to address the root. Even even John the Baptist said he's going to lay an ax to the root. No one to argue that. No one to argue that. Jesus knew that his mission was to get the people of God back into God's presence and right standing before God. That was his mission. Under the old covenant, they would cast people out of synagogues as devils. And in most cases, stone the people at the gate when they were determined to have devils or demons or they weren't agreeing with them. And in so many cases, people were being destroyed. Because they were identifying with the seed that was in them. There was no separating them from that identity. And it even says in John chapter 6, verse 70 that haven't I chosen 12 of you, and one of you is a devil? Jesus came to cast out what had them bound to their sins and their sickness. And in most cases, it was a full manifestation of the spirit of error, like demon possession. People who had devils, people who had evil spirits, people that would manifest everything that was not of God, meaning total takeover by this spirit of error to the point that their identity was that of a devil in full manifestation, spirit and body. And this is what Jesus came to address. Jesus came to uproot and destroy the spirit that was in everyone before the cross. But this couldn't happen until his crucifixion. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it wasn't a finished work yet. Not until the cross, meaning the spirit could come back because the spirit of error still had legal right to a fallen man. They were under the decree of the fall. The root of every sickness and disease and demonic manifestation known to the fallen man was all in this identity at the fall. The spirit needed to be destroyed through the power of the cross. We have to talk about how we did that. Hebrews 2.14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself Likewise, also partook of the same that through death he might destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. This spirit could manifest however it wanted to through a fallen vessel. It was our identity as fallen children of wrath. This spirit had full and legal right to a vessel it lived in. Now, in Christ, filled with the Spirit of God, we learn to possess our own vessels. Did you guys know that? Did you know that when you come into Christ, you have the responsibility? To possess your vessel through the Holy Spirit. So nothing can possess it. You can't allow anyone to possess what you possess. This is my phone. I possess it. You want it? You can't. Because it's mine. You have to take that from me. First Thessalonians 4.4 confirms that. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Jesus the Christ had to prove by demonstrating his power and authority over the demonic, that he had dominion over every devil, every spirit, every demonic thing that would come against him. And that through his death and resurrection, he would purchase us through victory over death, hell in the grave. Oh, man, that's exciting, Jesus. That's exciting. Jesus came to restore humanity through the born again experience. By accepting Jesus' sacrifice and giving our lives to Jesus, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Come on, man. You'll be saved. This is the place where God meets us, right here. This is where the magic happens. This is the mystery, right here. At this point, God sends the spirit of his son into our hearts. This is where we get a new heart and the new spirit. The Bible talks to us about the spirit of Christ comes into our hearts, destroying the man of sin. Jesus doesn't cast out the spirit under the new covenant. He destroys it. I have a teaching addressing this on the spirit of Christ. I have, I have a whole teaching on this, but I'm not going to talk about it right now because I have a whole other teaching on it, but he destroys it when he moves in. This spirit is fire according to scripture. God is an all-consuming fire. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. God is an all-consuming fire. and Matthew 3, 11, indeed, he, here's what he said. Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on, man, that's fire. Let me break down what is happening when Jesus addresses the spiritual dead under the law let me show it to you let me show you what's going on here see we need to break this down we need to break this down so simple that when a person comes to christ and they hear the gospel for the first time you can get into some spiritual realities and break it down in a simple way with understand understanding be like oh oh that's what happened oh i oh that's what happened when i gave my life to jesus oh that man if you know somebody when i'm done with this send it to them so they know what happened to them when they gave their life to jesus a lot of christians do not know what happened to them? They only know what Jesus did for them. They don't know what Jesus did to them. This is a whole nother conversation. I've been changed. There's something different about me. Let me break down what is happening. Here we go. The core of every person has the seed of the fall in them. Jesus himself said this. John 3, 3-5. through 5, Jesus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about being baptized by water that represents the burial and death he will undergo, that we must take on spiritually, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 4 through 5. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death we get baptized that represents the old man dying it represents everything that we were dying that like as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection the born again experience was a foreign reality to everyone before the cross this is why nicodemus is like what are you talking about (laughs) but praise god we know what he was talking about because we took the dip we jumped in we were all in we went into the drink we're good we went in we came out come on that's what all that's about going into the drink the truth is everyone on earth because of adam was of the corruptible seed because of the fall before christ And we all identified with the spirit and known as the God of this world, Satan, the serpent, the devil. And he needed to be cast out of everyone who was being held captive by him. He lived in everyone. The scripture confirms. It confirms the antichrist spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. It was in everybody who was not born again. That needed to go. I would never say that the demonic isn't real or that the devil and demons don't exist. What I'm addressing is what it is and how it affects those who do not know the truth about what is going on. That's what I'm addressing. A lot of people don't want to address this. A person who is struggling with blindness since birth is getting their identity based on a physical reality. The eyes and the flesh and the God of this world has created this reality through a fallen vessel who has the spirit of error on the inside of them. The manifestation is not of God. God is not manifesting that reality for him. His identity is a blind man since birth or a person with scoliosis or so on and so forth. Jesus looks at this person and sees the root of the issue. And the root issue is always the same in everyone. The seed of error is their master giving them an identity and they are manifesting his truths, not God's. Living a life of error. Jesus looks at the man who's blind and says, wait a minute, I'm not blind. And I'm the blueprint of what a child of God should look like in the kingdom of God. Oh, that's right. You're living the world's truth and of the flesh. That's the truth you're living, and the god of this world's truth. You are a slave to this reality. Come out of that man. You want clean spirit. I <laughs> see how that works. Come out of that man. How dare you? That's what all that's about. And the spirit that was given him, that reality and identity as a blind man, has to go. Because that's not who he is. But he's getting his identity from that spirit. He's getting his identity from that reality. He's getting that identity from the flesh. He's getting that identity from a physical reality. That's what all that's about. It's crazy. It's so crazy how that works. And the spirit that was given him, that reality and identity as a blind man has to go. Releasing the man from the lie. And now Christ being the truth heals the man to his true nature in the kingdom of God. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. This spirit of error can manifest however it chooses in a non believer because it has power over them because it has legal right to every vessel that has not been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Crazy reality. In a born again believer, this seed has been dealt with. The old man's dead. Let's face it, the devil's a liar. And once we know he's a liar, then the root of the devil's a lie then all of his manifestations are a lie. If the root is a lie, then all of his manifestations have to be a lie as well. All of them. People get mad when I say that. I'm not saying that what we're seeing isn't happening. What I'm addressing is that the liar is doing it. (laughs) Let me say that again. I'm not saying that what you're seeing isn't happening. What I'm addressing is that the liar is the one doing it. And let's not forget, he's a messenger. So all of his messages are to get you to believe his lies, not God's truth. Did God say? Did God say you shouldn't roll around on the ground? Then why are you rolling around on the ground? Did God say that you're free from that? Then why are you in bondage to that? It doesn't change God's truth. It doesn't change God's truth. The enemy wants to change God's truth for you. As a person who is not born again, You are one with the lie. Romans 3, 4 confirms this. God forbid, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written. Thou hast might be justified in thy saying, and might overcome when thou art judge. This is what it says. The enemy's a liar, and the father of it. And every man's a liar, according to Romans 3, 4. Do you see it? If every man's a liar, and the devil's a liar, and we're the children of the devil, then we're just like our daddy, and everything about us is going to lie when it comes to what God says. This is why we have to renew our minds. This is why we have to do the work. Spirits can manifest however they want in a fallen person. But as for children of God, spirits can manifest however they want in a fallen person. But as for the children of God, all the spirits can do is deceive you. That's it. Why? Because you're in the truth. And the only power the enemy has is in the lie and in deception if you listen to them. We are in the truth. That's where we're at. We're in the truth. And the only way to get you out of the truth is if you believe the lie. That's what it says. He's deceiving you. Let me show it to you. Revelation 2010. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Why does this say the one who deceived them? Because this is written to the church, not to the fallen people. The devil possessed us before we were born again. All of us were possessed by the devil. Spiritually, physically, mentally, we were oppressed. He was our master. But now we're free in Christ. Too many of us get thrown off by the manifestation of the liar. Why is that? Why do we get thrown off by the manifestation of the liar? Why aren't we ever thrown off by the manifestation of the sons of God? Why don't that throw us off? We're always focusing on the wrong manifestation. It's a lie, guys. It's a lie. I'm not saying it's not happening, but it's a lie. That's what it is. All he does is manifest a lie. What is the root of the devil? Now that you know, where are the issues coming from? Where are they coming from in our walks? How does one defeat a defeated foe? Let me say it again. How does one defeat a defeated foe? Yes, people. Yes, people manifest devils and demons. The question is why? And where's the root of manifestation in a person who is not born again? Where is it? Where's the root of the manifestation in a person who is not born again? If the root of the demonic is gone in the child of God, then where's the manifestation coming from now? So if you're fallen and you're manifesting, you have that root inside you. So it should come out of that because that's normal. But like I said, if you sow corn and you get cantaloupe, something ain't right. Something ain't right. So watch this. You were sown the Christ into you. Why are you manifesting the wrong spirit if that's the spirit that was sown into you? that yes some thought. If the Christ has been sown into you and you're manifesting another spirit, it's not because the seed isn't there. It's because you believe in the lie and that seed cannot produce that. And you have two seeds on the inside of you. You only have one. We see Christians struggling with this within the body of Christ and in the church. And the reason I believe it's happening is because we're not teaching what I just taught tonight. I believe we're not hitting it. We're not searching for it. We're not looking. We're not digging. We're not doing the work. We're not looking at it and saying, all right, God, what is going on here? We believe everything we see and everything we hear without taking it to scripture. I myself don't believe Christians should be struggling with what non-believers are struggling with when it comes to the demonic. I don't believe that. I don't think we should be struggling with that stuff. We're not lost. It's the lost people that struggle with that stuff. The question shouldn't be can a Christian have a demon? That's not the question. That's not the question we should ask. Or if they can be demon possessed, that's not the question we should be asking. The question should be, should the born again believer be demon possessed? Should the born again believer have one? That's the question we should be asking. And the answer will always be, no, no, they shouldn't. No, of course not. Then the question should be, so then why do they? And once again, it's because we're not doing the work and finding out what the scripture as a whole has to say about this topic. We're running off and listening to people. We're watching what's going on. We're listening to manifestations. We're listening to all kinds of stuff. And you know what's crazy? When you listen to the lie, it becomes truth. The answer then should be, if Jesus is our model, I can only have what Jesus can have. That's the attitude we should have when it comes to this topic. 1 Peter 4, 1. For so much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mindset. Arm yourself with the same mind. Jesus armed himself with a mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sinning. Look, hear me out. You can arm your mind. Arm yourself. It's a weapon. Arm yourself with the mindset. It's a weapon against the lie. Learn to not blame the enemy. Give no place to the enemy. Not even in your suffering. Arm yourself. Just bless God. I'm growing. I'm learning. Come on, Holy Spirit. Teach me. Come on, I got this. Come on, let's do this. Now remember, the crazy thing about deception is that it only becomes real to the one who's deceived. My God. My God. Remember, the crazy thing about deception is that it only becomes real to the one who's deceived. And I always say, Just because it's real for you doesn't mean it has to be real for me. That's where we resist the devil. We submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. That's James 4-7. The core and the seed of the devil is gone in your life. Don't allow the terrors of the enemy to take root in your mind. Arm yourself. Arm yourself. Look, hear me out. Next week, I will be explaining what Jesus' death accomplished in all of us. At the born again experience as born again believers at the cross. I will prove to you. I will show you how it would be impossible for anything to enter you spiritually. Now, remember what you believe will determine what you receive according to your faith. Let it be unto you. So what should we believe? Now, remember, just because you believe something doesn't always mean it's true. That's why we need to become students of the word. That's why we need to become students of the word right there so the question when jesus was walking around and devils and demons were crying out yeah because that's what's on the inside of them that's the core and in most cases it wouldn't cry out in most cases it wouldn't talk but it had people bound in sickness and disease and in the fallen state so even if it didn't manifest they were all lost and hear me out when you read the scriptures God delivered them out of Egypt and then he gave them the law. So the law doesn't deliver you. The law teaches you something. It teaches you how to live free. Now hear me out. They were doing this all under the law, but Jesus came to fulfill the law, which means none of them were free until he showed up. Not one, not one was spiritually free. They were physically free. But not spiritually free. That's called the Exodus. Which is they came out of Egypt out of a physical bondage. And Jesus does the Exodus out of Jerusalem. Which is the freedom from a spiritual bondage moving into the new covenant. And that is something that we all need to address. We all need to learn this. A lot of us do not understand this reality. That's why I tell people, you got to be a student of the word. You got to get in your word. You got to do your homework. You got to do your studies. You got to do what you got to do, man. You got to get in there with God. You got to get real. You got to get on your face. You got to be vigilant. You got to be real, man. You got to be real about it. And here's the thing. As long as you're pouring out to the people of God, you'll never run out. Never run out. Because if God knows that you're pouring out, he will fill you because he knows you're going to pour it out. And that's what it's all about. And I'm hoping that by you listening to this podcast, I'm hoping that this last podcast, something that I just did, gets you to see things from a different perspective that removes the fear of everything that you were afraid of, that strengthens you by the power of his might in the inner man, that you walk in a confidence that you have power over the enemy, that you know that your foot is on his throat. You know, someone said, hey, man, you give the enemy a foothold. No, the only foot I got is on his head because the Bible says he's under my feet. The only foothold I got, my foot's on his head. That's it. That's it. So, guys, I say this to you. I say this because I want to help you. I'm here for you. I'm hoping you can come to the All Jesus podcast and that it can be a well of refreshing refreshing words refreshing spirit that that it, that it that it feeds your soul and your spirit and that it brings it to a place where god can be glorified where you can give god glory and the only way you can give god glory is by manifesting his son because this glory was given to him and he gave it to you and so if you want to see god's glory you manifest the christ that's god's glory when you manifest when you show them god's goodness who's the christ And that's what it's all about and that's why i do these podcasts and guys if this has helped you my PayPal is Pete Carver, Ministries at Yahoo.com. I'm looking for people to partner with me. I'm looking for people who want to join what it is we're doing at Royal Family International University and School of Identity and Lifestyle. And here's what's interesting. We have a school in the Philippines. We have a school in India. And we have a school in the UK. And we're about to plant one in Tokyo. And we're going to be out there in July. And so, guys, I'm hoping that you guys are seeing what God is doing through, through Royal Family International University. It's expanding. It's doing so much good in the world. And, guys, we just want you guys to, to, to just stay encouraged, to just keep believing and keep standing on the word of God. Don't give in. Give no place to the devil. Arm yourself. Uh, read your word. Pray. Be real about your walk. Be real about your walk because the truth is very rarely spoken, but it's always seen. Always seen. So, guys, if you wouldn't mind sharing this with someone, if this has blessed you, you know how to sow into us. You can go to www.royalfamilyinternational.com and you can give there. And you can also, if you want to come, we got a school December the 6th. December the 6th, we're having a school. It's our last school of the year. If you want to come, you can go there and register at www.royalfamilyinternational.com and you can come join us. And that's going to be the last school of the year. So, guys, I love you guys in the name of Jesus. And that being said, oh! Jesus. Yes. Jesus is the real star I'm just his hype man In your face section With Pete Cabrera Jr. Oh Jesus, Jesus baby Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys Thank you, thank you for joining in I love you guys, thank you for being faithful I'm going to be here every Friday If I'm not here on a Friday, I'll be on here I'll be on here every week, putting something out there For you to chew on Go to your scriptures. Listen to it again. Get your Bible. Sit down. Go through it again. Listen to it. Go through it. Verse by verse by verse. Part one. Part two. Part three is coming next week. I've got the whole series ready for you. And now you know where we're at. We're standing in Christ. So in Jesus' name, be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed.